Welcome to Cornerstone Church of Parker and our Sunday service webcast, which is connecting you to God's Word anywhere over the internet. We're glad you're joining our webcast today and pray that God will minister to you as we share His good news in Christ Jesus. And now, with a message from God's Word, here's our speaker for today. Good morning. Welcome to Cornerstone Church. My name is Mike Jones. I'm the lead pastor here, and we're in a series titled Adjusting Our Focus, and in it we are moving through the book of Ephesians. And so today we find ourselves in Ephesians chapter 2. If you have a copy of the scriptures handy, why don't you go ahead and turn there. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, which is kind of the unofficial official translation at Cornerstone Church. So, you know, we find ourselves in a crisis right now. Uh, we're facing this coronavirus uh, pandemic. And, you know, it's so easy uh, when things are kind of falling apart. People are getting sick. They're dying. People are being laid off from their work. Um, finances are getting tight. Uh, people are wondering, when is this going to end? How much more of this isolation can we take? You know, the, all of these sort of thoughts and feelings are swirling. And things in the physical are tending to feel and look bleak, right? Things in the physical, if we just look at what's in right in front of us right now in as far as the physical realm is concerned, we we could naturally uh, become discouraged, right? We could naturally stop moving forward in life. I mean, we, we can't even go to work or gather to worship like we normally would. And so our tendency, right, our tendency in these times is to become discouraged, to stop moving forward, um, and uh, maybe even return to some of uh, of these bad habits or just different things that that we kind of broke th- broke broke free from, right? Uh, in in our lives, whether those be physical or mental things, but these are the natural tendencies that creep up on people. I I, I know some people, you know, they're barely getting dressed for the day. You know, it's like they 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 don't have a reason anymore. I guess to to brush their teeth and comb their hair because they don't have to go to work. I I'm not sure how that works but but that's where some people are at you know they just don't they've lost that motivation to continue to move forward because they a lot of their the things that they busied themselves with have uh uh ceased to uh be available i guess and and so this is where we find ourselves and and you know as i study and, and consider uh the the easter story and i can study and consider where uh paul found himself when he wrote this letter to the ephesians and and where the ephesian believers found themselves and even where we find ourselves at present i see a lot of similarities because you know just pause for a moment and think back reconsider all that you know about the Easter story and and how Jesus kept was telling his disciples hey in in just a little bit here I'm going to be crucified I'm going to die but don't worry in three days I I will rise again right and and they kind of miss that and and as that time that that time Jesus was was predicting actually came true and they saw him on the cross crucified and and laid in the tomb and he was dead right when that time came you know the disciples they were having a hard time they were fighting discouragement they found themselves in a crisis they found themselves in a crisis and as a result they be 
became discouraged. One verse in in, in the Gospels t- uh, tells us that they scattered, right? And and later on, we find that they were all gathered in a room, just kind of holed up, kind of afraid of what might happen next now that Jesus had been crucified. You know, what persecution would they face as followers of, of Jesus? And so they were very discouraged. In fact, they had stopped moving forward, right? They stopped doing the things that Jesus uh, had done. And some of them, like Peter, had gone back to their former way of life. I mean, it didn't take him but maybe a day and a half and he, or so. And he's he's basically back to his, his former way of life. And, and that is, uh, it shows a people's natural tendencies when they get in a crisis, right? I, I, I have to wonder if if even Paul, you know, we consider Paul to be a, a, a tremendous uh, a follower of Christ. He was an apostle, you know, a, a, a missionary, a church planner, uh, someone who wrote several uh, epistles in, in portions of the uh, the New Testament. And so we we look up to him and we see him as this this great man of God. And and yeah, I have to wonder if if when Paul was was sitting in prison awaiting trial before Caesar, if if he felt uh, uh, that natural tendency and, and started to become discouraged as he thought about God's calling in his life and how that calling wasn't being fulfilled sitting in prison, at least from a physical perspective, right? Looking at the, the, the Roman guard that he was chained to or the wall that he was chained to and thinking, man, I should be out there. I should be witnessing. I should be planning churches. I should be traveling around and telling people about Christ, and and I'm in here, and, and chained in this rat-infested prison, and and how is this, you know, part of God's plan for my life? I could see how his natural tendency would be to become discouraged, maybe even to stop moving forward, and, and maybe even give up. But I have to think that, you know, just because of my own job, sometimes we tell other people the very same things that we ourselves need to hear. And so I have to wonder, from Paul's perspective, his letter to the Ephesians was uh, his way of not only encouraging them, not only reminding them to adjust their focus from the physical into the spiritual, but also a way for him to remind himself of these same things, to remind himself to focus less on his physical circumstances and more on God and more on who he really was and in and, and the changes that God had made in his life and his, the, the way God had saved him and, and who he was now and, and who he was going to become in the future. I have to think that, that his letter to the Ephesians had a little bit uh, of that motivation associated with it. And so he's writing to these people who themselves, the Ephesian churches, uh, were were facing uh, a crisis. They were facing persecution. Remember, Ephesus was the center of a cult that worshipped the goddess Artemis, um, and, and they were facing uh, persecution because Christianity had caused such a 
a stir, an impact in, in and around the city of Ephesus that it had a, uh, an economic impact. And it was upsetting people whose livelihoods were based on uh, the idolatrous system of worship. And so uh, they were, these Christians, these believers were facing persecution. I'm sure those who lived in homes with, who had spouses or family members or close friends who were still participating in this cult. I'm sure that they were facing some strong temptation as people tried to get them to come back into the cult and and participate in, in the erotic worship that was associated with the cult. And so we find the Ephesian believers facing a crisis, facing persecution, facing strong temptation. And Paul is writing to remind them, to remind them of, in chapter two, of who they were, to remind them of how God saved them and to remind them of, of who they had become at present and who they were going to be in the future. Because You see, when we face a crisis, it's easy for us to forget who we are. It's easy for us to focus on just what's right in front of us right now. And, and we forget all that God has done in our lives, the changes he has made. Uh, we forget how far we have come and how far we have left to go, you know, and the good things that God has ahead for us because we, we don't focus on the spiritual in a crisis. We focus on the, the pain or, or uh, just a, avoiding the, the temptation or whatever's right there in front of us. And so Paul is writing, I believe, to remind himself and to remind the Ephesians and by extension to remind us as modern day believers about these things. And so today as we get in, I just want to take a few moments to take, uh, separate chapter two into four sections. I've labeled uh, on my notes here, I've got a column that says past, a second column that says salvation or a point of salvation. Uh, I have a third column labeled present and a fourth column labeled future. Now, I have uh, attached this online as a PDF or in the Cornerstone Church app as a, uh, a document or PDF for you to, to reference so you can see this because I'm going to walk you through how Paul has addressed past, present, and future, okay? And then towards the end, we'll come back and I want to give you four next steps, four points of applications before reminding all of us uh, of something very important, something that will propel us forward uh, as we continue to to make it through this this, uh, difficult set of circumstances. So, here we are. Let's take a look at the past. And if you haven't had a chance already, uh, I want you just to pause this this podcast. I want you to open up your Bible and read Ephesians chapter 2. I want you to read the entire chapter in one sitting. It's it's only 22 verses. It doesn't take but probably three or four minutes, maybe five minutes, depending on how fast you read. But go ahead and pause this podcast. Take a moment to read uh, through this passage and then restart it, okay? And this will make a whole lot more sense. Um, but if we look at this first column, we consider who we used to be. Okay, that's I think the very first thing that Paul Paul does uh, when rem, uh, addressing uh, the spiritual reality or spiritual aspect uh, of our reality. Look at uh, chapter two, 
verse two, he says several things. He says things like, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So the first thing that we used to be, as we remember who we used to be or what we used to be like, is we were dead. We were spiritually dead. The connection that we had with God uh, when, when humanity was first created, that had been broken. And as a result, our spirits uh, were deadened, right? We didn't have that spiritual life inside of us, even though our physical bodies were, were breathing and our hearts were beating and our, and our bodies were moving around. We lacked something. I've heard people say it like, it's a God-shaped hole. There's, there's something inside of us that, that needs to be filled, that needs to, be, uh, uh, to come alive, if you will. And so Paul says, hey, we used to be dead, right? We used to live in sin. We, we used to obey the devil. We used to refuse to obey God. It wasn't that we simply disobeyed God. It, we refused to disobey God. There was a conscious choice that, that we used to make to go the, whatever way. God said we we're going to go the opposite, essentially, right? We used to follow the inclinations of our sinful nature. I, I often talk about that in terms of our, being our natural tendencies. We naturally were inclined towards sin. We were naturally inclined to do things that, that uh, hinder us from building productive and enjoyable relationships, not only with God, but everybody else, right? It hindered us from building a productive an enjoyable relationship with our spouse or with our children or with our co-workers or, or with people in our community because we lacked the internal uh, uh, resources, if you will, to build those productive and enjoyable relationships, right? We weren't going to please God. We weren't going to benefit others. Sin has a, 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 a tendency to make us extremely selfish and a tendency to kind of uh, uh, self-destruct, if you will. And so as a result, Paul says in verse 3, we used to be subject to God's anger. The things that we used to do, our attitudes, our actions, they would make God angry. It would make it, I think it would make him angry because he knows that he created us for so much more, right? He created us for so much more and to sit and watch us self-destruct uh, uh, just, I think, really frustrated him. And so uh, we used to be that way. Verse 11, Paul says, we used to be outsiders, especially if we're not Jewish, right? We weren't part of God's, God's chosen people. We were Gentiles. And so we used to be outsiders. We were, we were apart from Christ. Uh, we, we used to be ignorant of God's promises, he says in chapter 12, or excuse me, verse 12. And most of all, we used to have no hope. If you look at verse 12, he says, you lived in this world without God, and without hope. That is who we used to be. I used to be that way. I used to not have hope. I used to not have like a a, a spiritual connection with God. And so I would go and I would search and try to fill that with, with other things. And I think it wouldn't take long for me to realize that, that nothing else 
cause that part of my life to come alive. And I know that many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You tried to, to fill that part of your life. You tried to reignite that, 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 that spiritual connection and you, you tried all sorts of things, right? But came up empty every time. And so that left you and I with no hope, as Paul said. And so this is who we used to be. But then Paul says, we came to this, this point of salvation, right? And you got to remember, he's reminding not only us, but the Ephesians and himself of these truths, right? He's thinking back, I'm sure as he's writing this, and he is remembering who he used to be, how he used to persecute Christians, how he used to hate Christ and hate the gospel, right? He's probably, these things are probably running through his mind. And I'm sure as the Ephesians are are, are uh, reading this letter, I'm sure that they're thinking about how they used to be and, and the things that they used to participate in, especially having grown up in and around this, this cult that worshipped Artemis, right? And so they're thinking about these things. And then he says, listen, there's this point of salvation. There's a point where, where it, all of this begins to change, it all begins to change. And for Paul, it was was on that road uh, to Damascus when the Lord appeared to him and knocked him off his horse and that t- spoke to him in that blinding light. Everything changed for him in that moment. For the Ephesians, it was it was when Paul came or Apollos came and, and taught them about Christ and taught them about the Holy Spirit, about the good things that God had for them, right? And so what about you? When was your point of salvation? I can remember mine. Uh, I must have been 15 or 16 when I I made a conscious choice uh, to follow Christ. It it wasn't my parents' faith anymore. It It was my faith. I wanted to serve God. And there was a change in my life. There was a change in my lifestyle and the things that I participated in, the things that I enjoyed or you know, and the ways I thought, my various attitudes and and actions changed as a result of my faith in Christ. And and so Paul, he points us there. Take a look at verse four. Paul is basically says, despite all of this, despite the way you used to be, despite being uh, living in this world without God and without hope, despite all of this, God loved you. Look at verse four. He says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. You know, as we celebrate Easter, right? We not only celebrate the resurrection of Christ, but we also celebrate the resurrection of us, right? I love that song by Elevation Worship, Resurrecting, and, and how it just points that that uh, that truth out to us, that not only did, does, does Easter mean Jesus is alive, but it also means that we are alive. When Jesus rose again, that brought new life to us. It gave us the opportunity to have our, our spirits resurrected and we could have a renewed connection with God. And as a result, we could have renewed relationships with God and with one another. And so, we we see and and we 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 celebrate that reality. Paul says in verse five that God gave us an opportunity to experience life when Christ, when Christ rose again. And in verse eight, he says that God 
saved us by grace when we believed in Jesus. And so we, we see right now, uh, once again, Paul reminding us that our salvation is, is a gift from God. It's by his grace. It's by his divine influence. In fact, he says explicitly in verse 8, he says, you can, cannot take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Verse 9, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Right? We are saved by faith and faith alone. It's not because we've earned it. It's not because we deserve it. It is only because God sovereignly determined that he would count as, as righteous and uh, as in right standing with himself those who believe that Jesus was and is more than a man, that he died and then he rose again and that he lives forever. People who, those of us who believe that, we that express that faith in Christ and as a result, God saves us. He counts us as holy, even though we aren't literally holy, right? We still on occasion make mistakes. We still on occasion make poor choices, right? And we have to come back to God and say, oh man, Lord, I'm really sorry for that. But he looks at us differently now, right? That point of salvation changed. He doesn't see us as dead. He doesn't see us as as uh, living in sin. He doesn't see us as uh, servants of the devil. He sees us as sons and daughters of God free to live and be all that he has called us to be. That is how, uh, uh, or that is how our faith our and salvation has changed us. And so Paul, he points that out, right? And so we see him reminding first and foremost, hey, here's how we used to be, right? And, and salvation changed all that. And so who are we now? Because crisis, persecution, or times of temptation can cause us to forget this truth. It can cause us to forget who we used to be. It can cause us to forget uh, how God saved us. It can cho- it can cause us to forget who we are at present. And who are we at present? Well, verse 6 tells us, uh, Paul tells us in verse 6, that we are seated in the heavenly realms with Jesus because of our faith. Talk about uh, 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 adjusting our focus from the physical and of what's right in front of us to our spiritual reality, right? There's two parts to our reality, a physical and a spiritual. But when we're in a crisis, we're in a time of persecution or facing strong temptation, all we tend to see is the physical and what's right in front of us. And Paul is reminding himself, he's reminding the Ephesians and he's reminding us today, hey, we are seated in the heavenly realms with Jesus because of our faith. We have a spiritual position. We have a spiritual position. I'll talk more about that when we get to our application. But for now, keep that in mind. The second thing, we are, verse 10, Paul tells us that for we are God's masterpiece. You might look at yourself, we might look at ourselves in the physical and say, you know what? we're not much to write home about, right? We're, we're, we're not a superstar. We're not, we're not top notch. We're not doing everything we know we ought to be doing, or we're not where we think we ought to be. But from God's eyes, 
from God's perspective, he looks at us and say, you are a masterpiece. You are, uh, uh, we are the, the, like the, the pinnacle of his creation. And, and I, I, I think we forget that in a time of crisis. We forget how special God made each and every one of us. And so regardless of how we look in the physical, right, God looks at us in, in a totally different way. And he says, you, we, I, we are masterpieces. And so we need to remember that. We are a, a new person with a new start, and we need to see ourselves as God sees us. And so uh, Paul continues on in, in verse 13. He says, we are united with Christ. In a, as part of our new spiritual reality, we are united with Christ. We are f- close to God. I think we forget that a lot of times when we're in, we're in crisis, when we're in a time of persecution or facing strong temptation, we feel pretty far from God, don't we? I mean, we feel like really far from God sometimes. And, and we even feel like maybe God doesn't even know where we are. And yet Paul is saying in reality, in the spiritual realm, you are close to God. Why? Because in verses 14 through 16, he says, listen, you're part of God's people. You're part of God's family, the body of Christ. That means that that we belong. We have a role. We have a function to fulfill. We're more than passive observers. We are active participants in what God is doing on earth. And so we are uh, not only are we uh, uh, seated with Christ in heavenly realms. Not only are we God's masterpiece, but we are active participants in what God is trying to do. And so regardless of what we see in the physical realm, we must remember that in the spiritual realm, from God's perspective, we have a part to play. And so right now, what, what do we need to be doing? You know, that's the question we should be asking. In this time of crisis, as we face this coronavirus or we face layoffs or we face uh, uh, financial uh, hits and and so forth, what can we be doing? What what does God want us to be doing right now? How can we be fulfilling our role in his body, right? Those are the kinds of questions we should be asking. Verse 18 tells us uh, that we are not only all of those things, but we are people who can come to the Father through the same Spirit. Later on uh, in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, we read uh, the author of Hebrews telling us that we can come to the Father with confidence because of our faith in Christ. And, and when we're getting a crisis, guys, sometimes we lose our confidence. And, and, and you know what? We, we feel like maybe... Maybe prayer isn't even even a worthwhile endeavor. But if there was ever a time to be confident, and if there was ever a time for us to pray through, it would it would be uh, when we're in a crisis, when we're facing persecution, when we're facing strong temptation. And so, I would encourage us to come to the Father, to come and share our concerns, and ask Him for that that strength to get through that insight that that only He can give. And so we've looked at 
who we used to be. We've talked about our point of salvation. We've looked at who we are at present. Now let's take a moment to look at who we are becoming. And because in a time of crisis, in a time of persecution, in a time uh, when we're facing strong temptation, we can tend to forget who we are going to be in the future or what God wants to make us in the future. We look at verse 17, or excuse me, verse 7. Let's look at that together. It says, God uh, can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. And so one of the things that we are becoming is we are becoming examples of God's grace and kindness. In the future ages, God will point to us as believers and say, look, just how much I can change a life. You know, as we think about the changes that God has made in our lives and just how far we've actually come, I mean, it, it's pretty amazing. And, and just think of if we have more time, you know, 10, 20, 30 more years, 40 more years on this, on this earth and God's grace, his divine influence continues to change us. Think about how far we will have come from where we started when we used to be dead, when we used to uh, follow uh, the inclinations of our sinful nature. And so, God is going to point to us as examples of just how much he can change a life. And he's going to point to us as examples of his kindness. I mean, when I think about the kindest person that I know, I, I think about my wife. I mean, she is so thoughtful uh, and polite uh, and just kind to others that uh, it, it, I'm just amazed So I, I, sometimes. I, I, I can't even think of anybody who, who doesn't like Jamie. They, when they, everybody that meets her just is just really drawn to her because she is so kind and, 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 when I consider how kind she is, and she's a, a sinful woman with a fallen nature, and then I compare that to God who is not sinful, who is perfect in every way, and, and just the immensity of his kindness towards us. I mean, Paul says God was so rich in his mercy. God was so kind in dealing with us. He doesn't treat us as, as we deserve. He treats us politely even when we hated him. He loved us and gave uh, his son for us. He went to great lengths to make us part of his family, even when we didn't appreciate that gesture, right? God is so kind. And so he, in the future, he's going to point to his work that he's done to us and, and, and just how he's interacted with us as examples of, of just how kind he really is. And so that's the first thing that we are becoming. We are becoming examples. The second thing is we are becoming people who do good things. See, look at verse 10. In verse 10, uh, uh, Paul says that we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So in the present and into the future, God has planned good things for us. And so what good things are uh, did he plan? I don't know, but we better figure them out and we better start doing them if we're not doing them already, right? We are people that God has plans for. And so that is uh, something that affects our future. Let's look at another one. 
who are we becoming? What verses 21 and 22 says, we are becoming a holy temple where God lives by his spirit, right? When I think about uh, a temple, it's it's uh, made of of many stones, right? It's, and to create a temple, you have to stack stones one at a time, and you link them together with mortar. And so, as more and more people come to faith in Christ, they are linked in to God's temple. They're like adding another stone, and it's being built up over time. Right, And so this is who we are becoming in the future. And when we get in a time of crisis, when we're facing persecution or strong temptation, we tend to forget all of this. We tend to get so focused in the now that we forget that that we have a future, right? We have something ahead of us. So often when we get in these, these difficult sets of circumstances, we, te- we tend to think that our best days are behind us, right? Maybe some of us are thinking and feeling that right now, that our best days are behind. And yet, when I read Paul's words in Ephesians 2, and I think about who we are becoming, this sounds like our best days are ahead, right? Our best days are ahead of us. We are going to be examples of God's grace and kindness. God's got good things planned for us still ahead, despite what we're facing. There are good things ahead, right? We are still becoming part of God's holy temple. And this temple is getting bigger and broader all the time. As more and more people come to Christ, more and more stones are added into this building where God dwells by his spirit, right? And so our best days are ahead of us. And so uh, when we uh, get in a time of crisis, it's only natural for us to forget these things. Like I'm sure Paul was tempted to forget or the Ephesians were beginning to, to, to forget as they became discouraged about where they were. Maybe some of them even stopped moving forward or some of them returned to their former way of life like, like the Peter and some of the disciples did after Jesus died. You know, uh, when we get in a crisis, these are our, the things that we tend to forget. We tend to forget who we used to be like and just how much God has changed us. We forget uh, how God saved us and the, and the great links that he went uh, uh, to provide salvation for us and make us a part of his family. We forget who we are right now. And we forget that our best days are ahead of us. And so through this sermon from Ephesians chapter 2, I hope that that I've been able to, to stir that up inside of each one of us and help us remember hey, these important things. Now, before uh, we go today, I, I as is my custom, I always like to take a few moments and just say, so what? So, so how does this, this apply to you specifically? What are your next steps? So let me give you four. Let me give you four. Your first step is to, is, uh, to remember how God has changed you. I get this from verse three. Verse three, Paul says, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. And so I want you to remember 
how God has changed you. When you think about how you used to be and how you used to live and how you used to follow those those uh, natural tendencies, the inclinations of your sinful nature, and then I want you to compare that to where you are right now, right? I want you to think about the most significant change that God has made in your life since coming to faith in Christ. One of the first things that comes to my life or to my mind when I think about the changes God has made in my life is how he has made me more patient and more calm and, and better able to control my anger in a, in a fiery situation. Um, I used to be very quick uh, tempered, right? And kind of hot tempered. And yet through, through uh, since coming to Christ, that has changed. In fact, one of the, the hallmarks, if, if you will, uh, of my life has become this, this calmness. I often get com- uh, compliments from people and say, man, you are, you are really calm. That situation would have made me so angry. And you responded so calmly to that, so patiently and gently. And so that is not because I'm such a good guy, right? That's because of the work of God in my life. His grace has changed me in that way and continues to change me. And I can tell you if God didn't have God's spirit living within me, I would go back to being a hot-tempered, quick-tempered person, right? So what about you? What about you? What's the most significant change God has made in your life? In fact, I want you to pause this podcast right now and make a list of the changes that come to your mind. And if you can't think of any, I want you to ask a close family member or friend and to, to point out how you have changed since coming uh, to know Christ. And so first step, remember how God has changed you. That's going to help you adjust your focus and remember who you really are from as far as God's perspective is concerned. Now, the second step is this. I want you to celebrate those changes. You know, I never made a Sunday or baked a cake or went out to dinner or did anything special when I woke up one day and realized, boy, I'm I'm a lot more calm. I'm a lot more patient and gentle than I used to be. I never stopped to celebrate those changes and more than likely neither did you. When you, you recognize that you had significantly changed in some way, I bet you never stopped to celebrate that change. You know what? If there was ever a time to just pause and celebrate the changes that God has made in your life, it would be right now, Easter time. Why? Because Easter, the the as we celebrate the resurrection of uh, of of Jesus, we're we're not only celebrating His resurrection, we're celebrating our resurrection. We're not only celebrating the change that He experienced, but we're celebrating the changes that we experienced in our lives because He rose from the dead. Verse 5 tells us that uh, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms. God raised us. When he raised Christ, he raised us too. And so we need to stop and take a moment to this weekend to celebrate the changes that God has made in our lives. I want you to do that. Get, make a Sunday. Bake a cake. 
you know, uh, go out to eat, do something special to celebrate the significant change that God has made in your life. I know, I know I'm going to, I, I don't eat much ice cream anymore, but I think I'm going to make a super Sunday. You might laugh at that, but that's a big deal for me as I, I try not to eat very much sugar anymore, but I'm going to do something special to celebrate the change that God has made in my life. And I want you to do the same as well. So first step, remember how God has changed you. Second step, celebrate that change. The third step that's going to help you adjust your focus in this time of crisis is I want you to focus on where you are in God's eyes. I want you to focus on where you are in God's eyes. Verse six, verse six uh, tells us that uh, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Because of your faith in Christ, you are seated in the heavenly realms with Christ near the Father, right? So regardless of where you find yourself physically, in the spirit, you are seated near God. You are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, right? Picture yourself sitting around a table or sitting in the same living room that Jesus is sitting, right? Spiritually speaking, right? You are near the Father just as Christ is near the Father because you have faith in Christ. And so regardless of where you find yourself physically, that is your reality. And Paul was re- writing to remind himself of that and remind the Ephesians of that fact. Think about Paul. He was sitting in a prison, right? But just because he was in a prison didn't mean he was a prisoner. He was in the spirit. He was as free as anyone could be, right? And just because the Ephesians found themselves in a difficult situation facing persecution and it didn't mean that they were downtrodden, didn't mean that they weren't more than conquerors, right? So regardless of where Paul or the Ephesians or where you found, find yourself today physically in the spirit, you have a different reality, right? Your uh, uh, spiritual GPS doesn't change, when your physical GPS changes, you know, you open up your, your maps app in your cell phone and it kind of beeps and it shows where you are at in the in the physical, right? Your physical location. And as you drive or walk around that changes. Okay. But in the spirit, your spiritual GPS never changes because of your faith in Christ. You are always sitting near the father with Christ. And I find that amazing, and I think you should find that amazing as well. No amount of crisis, no amount of persecution or temptation can change where you are at spiritually. So that's the the third thing. I want you to focus on where you are at in God's eyes and less on where you are at physically right now. The fourth step is I want you to do something good every day. Do something good every day. Look at verse 10. Paul says that God has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And you know what? A lot of people right now, 
they're barely getting ready for the day. You know, they are, they don't have to go to work. They're not going to church. They don't have a, 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 re, a, a reason, I guess, to get out of their jammies, to comb their hair, brush their teeth, or do anything for that matter. They're binge watching shows on Netflix because they're, they're so bored, right? They're so bored. But when I read this and I read that God has planned good things for us t- today, that means that there's something regardless of how my work is, regardless of, of, of what's going on in the physical, there's something good that God has planned for me to do today. So, and the same is true for you. God has something good for you to do today. And I want you to figure it out. I want you to figure out what that is and go do it. And if you don't know what that could be, then I want you to ask yourself, what's the next best thing I could do? Who could I pray for right now? If you don't know who to pray for, pray for me. Pray for the president. Pray for those that are sick. Pray for our governor. Pray for the people of Cornerstone Church. I mean, the list of people to pray for right now is is quite lengthy. So pray. That's a good thing, right? Who could you give to? Right? Who could you give a call to? Who could you give something to? You could order something on Amazon, have it shipped to their house. Maybe they need something. I don't know. But who could you give to? Who could you serve today? Right? Figure out what that is and do it. No more just sitting around passing time. Do something good. Do the good things that God has planned for you. And so these. This sounds really simple, but doing it is is extremely practical and it's going going to go a long ways to helping you adjust your focus from what's going on and right in front of you to adjusting into the spirit and seeing who you really are. So remember how God has changed you. Celebrate those changes. Focus on where you are at in the spirit and then do something good every day. Those are your four next steps. And if you do those things, it's going to help you it's going, if I do those things, it's going to help me through this crisis, through whatever set of difficult circumstances we are facing at this time. And I think Paul was reminding himself, he was reminding the Ephesians of that so that they could get through the difficult circumstances they were facing at that time. And so how do we wrap up a sermon like this? How, I think it's by going back to the original question and that's who are we? right? In a time of crisis, we tend to forget who we are, especially as believers, right? And that was Paul's main reason for writing, to remind himself and to remind the Ephesians and to remind us as modern day believers of that fact. And he finishes up in chapter two, verses 19 through 23, reminding us of a few really important things. He reminds us that we are citizens of God's holy people, that we are part of God's family, that we are God's house, that we are a holy temple for the Lord. We are part of a dwelling where God lives by his spirit. And so I want to close our time together by reminding us, just as I believe Paul was reminding himself and the believers, that we are not defined by what's going on outside of our lives. We are not defined 
by the crisis. We are not defined by the persecution or the temptation. We are not defined by the idolatry that's all around us, right? We are not defined by the fear and by the hype. We're not defined by any of these things. Who we are, our identity in Christ is not defined by what's going on in our physical circumstance. It is defined by who lives in us. And Paul, at the end of chapter 2, he is reminding himself, he's reminding the Ephesians, and he's reminding us today that we are defined by the Lord. We are defined by the Spirit who lives in us. He gives us our identity. He's what who makes us holy. He makes us family. He makes us special. And so let's focus on that. Let's not focus on what's going on right in front of us in the physical realm. Let's look into the Spirit and and focus on Him. Focus on being holy. Focus on staying connected to one another as, as members, as fellow members of this dwelling where God lives by His Spirit. Let's focus on staying connected. Focused on building our lives in a way that pleases God. That's what we need to focus on today. And so as we close our time together, would you just pause for a moment and pray with me in in that regard? Father, I just thank you for who you have made us. God, I thank you for the changes that you have made in our lives. I thank you for that point of salvation, for the cross of Christ, for his resurrection, uh, for uh, just all that you have done to make us a part of your family. We celebrate that this weekend, God. We celebrate who you have made us right now, that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places, regardless of what's going on around us. We are not defined by that. We are defined by your spirit. And you say that we are holy, that we are family. You say that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. And Lord, we just thank you for that. We thank you for that wonderful privilege. And I pray for those in our uh, who are listening today who are struggling with that. They're, st- they're so focused on what's in front of them right now that they have forgotten, maybe even lost heart, maybe even stopped walking with you or have turned and have gone back uh, uh, to their former way of life. Uh, I pray for them right now that you you would give pause to where they're at, that you would encourage them, that you would remind them of these things, just as Paul was reminding the Ephesians and us about these, about who we really are. And, and I pray that that would give them strength and give them wisdom and give them what they need to come back and continue moving forward because you've got great things. Lord, you've got great things ahead for us. Our best days are ahead. And so we just receive that. We believe that. We just uh, thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Guys, once again, thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. Actually, it turned into a lot more than a few minutes. And so I ask your forgiveness. I just was trying to preach from my heart and share with you what the Lord was shown with me. And so if you have any comments, 
or questions about this, uh, please feel free to reach out to me, mike at cornerstoneparker.org. I'd be glad to set up a time to chat with you uh, via Google Hangouts or Zoom meeting and and, and just to uh, answer any questions you might have or pray with you in this regard or just continue this conversation moving forward. So I love you guys. I'm believing for great things for you. We are going to make it through this time. Have a great rest of your day. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. We thank you for listening to this Sunday service webcast from Cornerstone Church of Parker in Parker, Colorado. We hope that His truth has enriched your life and inspires you to greater works in God's kingdom. We invite you to worship with us in our Sunday morning service or join in our other ministry events posted on cornerstonechurchofparker.org. Cornerstone Church, built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and connecting people to God, each other, and to our world.